Last week we shared about uh, coming out and coming in to a place in God. And so today I want to talk about you can make it. And uh, kind of these two messages are going to be similar. But I know this kind of being around God all these years. And I, I started noticing this when I was early in my Christian walk that, uh, you know, you turn on the radio and you hear some sermon online, and this person is preaching this thing, then then maybe you open your Bible, and in your Bible reading that day or the next day, there's something, it seems almost exactly what they said. Then, then, you know, on the radio, and then all of a sudden you're at church, you know, on Sunday morning, and the pastor preaches something, and you're like, whoa, that was like what I read, that was like what I heard, and then, you know, maybe you had gone out to dinner or lunch with some friends or were on the phone or just standing around talking and somebody brought up something that fit and all of those things were the same. You ever had that happen in your life? Two people? Oh, okay, yeah, a lot more people. And it, it just seems real typical of God to do that type of thing because he tries to help us. He tries to assure us, give us confidence, uh, cause us to have hope, you know, because hope is important, you know, a bright future, good things, and he'll do that for us. And also when he does these things, it kind of helps us on our course, you know, to, to stay the course, to press on, and, and he'll deal with us. And I know in my life, there have been some real pronounced times like this where it seems like, you know, God's dealing with my heart. He's dealing with me, you know, and everywhere I look, you know, and, um, you know, whether it's on the radio or somebody, you know, same type of thing. And I know before I moved here, I saw things, you know, come from Southern California uh, coming here. I knew it was a desert place. How many of you believe that? All you have to do is look at the weather this week. 110, 112, 114, 113, you know. Uh, and and uh, we're in the desert. And I looked at the weather from one of the Southern California cities, and it was like 67 yesterday. And I went, really? But it it is what it is. We, you know, if we belong in a place, you don't want to go somewhere else. And uh, I know that before I moved here, I mean, God was dealing with me, I need to move to this desert place. Then it's amazing on this journey coming here for God's plan and his purpose. I remember I'd turn on the radio. I remember there was a church, a four-square church, I think it was in Hermosa Beach, and this pastor was on the radio, and, and he was talking about how Moses, you know, led the people. And then I'd hear another person on the radio talking about how God fit, called Philip and he was led and, and how that he went to a desert place. And I'm like, wow, that, that fits. And, and then the scriptures about things blooming in the desert. And I would hear these all, it was like God was helping me and God was preparing me and moving me in. And how many of you know moving into things is a process? You know, we talked about that last week, you know, about changing our mindset. You know, you go into a bigger place 
And if we have smaller thinking that fit where we were, it won't fit in a bigger place. So God always encourages us to think bigger, believe bigger, because it fits where we're going, not where we were or where we are. And God does that. He helps prepare us. And so in looking at this, you know, it just seems like things keep coming up about change, good things. How many of you know change is not always comfortable? It Can't we just sometimes, if we're not careful, get settled? And man, it's just comfortable right here. But, but God has a way of uh, helping us move. And there can be more than one way he moves us forward. Are you with me? Because God wants to do big things, good things in our lives, and he wants us to participate. And, I, and, and you could read through scripture where, where God would lead people into better things, and other times people are like, no, I'm not going to do that. We, we probably know the one guy, more than one. But he has a way of having a fish available. Remember that guy? Jonah, I'm not going to do that. And God's like, I want to do something good in this land and I want to use you. And he said, I don't want to do that. Nobody's ever been there before. Anybody ever argued with God? A lot of nods. More hands than before. And uh, I mean, I've had discussions with God. Okay, arguments. Like, are you sure? And I mean, it's really him dealing with me. But how many of you know he knows what's best? He knows what's golden. He knows uh, the good things out ahead. And uh, he will help us. Now, it wasn't God's design to have a fish and have Jonah end up in a storm and get thrown over. And he knew. It's so wild. Jonah knew what was going on. He's on a boat. They're all trying to help. You know, let's throw everything over. And then they're finally like, who's causing the problem? He's like, you might as well just toss me over because otherwise it's going to mess things up because he knew God had a divine purpose in his life. And he was like, I really don't want to do that. And you know what's really big about Jonah? He really, just a change of attitude with him would have brought him in with ease. Anybody ever notice that? You know, things work out better. You know, I used to, uh, believe it or not, have a temper. Uh, and I, I would, I'd get angry pretty easy. And uh, I remember after I gave my life to the Lord, there was such a love in me to be nice and kind to people but there was still some remnants of a temper. And I remember I was working on this person's car. Actually, it was my girlfriend's car at the time. And I remember being underneath there and the wrench slipped and I hit my knuckles and I wanted to beat that car up. And it had no emotional attachment, but I was ready to beat the thing. I was ready to throw the wrench and I, had, I was newly walking with God, and I had been recognizing love, trying to rise up in patience out of the inside of me. And I remember thinking, just calm down, Dave. Just slow down. 
just relax. And I learned a huge lesson that day. And I took, it was actually not a wrench, it was a socket, and there was an extension with like a little knuckle on the end. And I remember just doing it real slow and being patient. It fell right into place, and I went click, and it opened. And I went, oh, that's way better. And I was going to beat the car up, and I know what would have happened after I punched it. My knuckles would have hurt. The car wouldn't have said, ouch. And I would have been there, ugh. And sometimes, you know, just an attitude adjustment can be huge in our lives. And Jonah could have had an attitude adjustment, and man, it would have gone much smoother. He could have just gone right to Nineveh and preached. How many of you know, he didn't even adjust his attitude. You know, he was more bothered that a bush he was sitting under got eaten by a worm or a caterpillar than the people, whether they lived or died. But how many of you know God can still use us, but it's probably far better to have a good attitude and be used, right? Doesn't work, isn't work even better when we have a good attitude or, or somebody has a bad attitude and they go to work? Might as well make that adjustment. With that being said, we can see that God can endeavor to get us into his plan, are you with me? And, and he's not causing bad to come our way, but he will do things. He'll prompt us. He'll deal with us. You know, he wants people to be promoted at work. He wants people to be successful in business. You know, it's amazing to me that of all people, sometimes Christians don't think it's right to be blessed. I mean, if we have a God who's good he wants good things in our lives. Anything that's bad, we need to evaluate it. We need to check and, and see. You know, there are scriptures that should just clear things up for us. Things like this. When Jesus said, hey, you know, here's how you should pray. One of the things was pray, your will be done on earth like it's being done in heaven. How many of you know heaven's got only good? When you get there, you know, he said, in my father's house there are many shacks and shanty homes. No, everybody knows there's mansions, good dwelling places, streets of gold, different things like that, pearly gates river of living water that will refresh and leaves and fruit that will do things for the nations and in such a good way. Well, if God is saying, pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we could look at Jesus when he was here on the earth. Man, he sure seemed to reflect heaven into people's lives. How heaven up there should be here. And so we need to look, you know, at scripture and go, okay, we need to realize, and this is important, moving into things. Because if I have thoughts like, well, it should be bad, it shouldn't be good, shouldn't be improving, then that may hold me back. Are you with me? Or give us a hesitancy of action. And, and we don't want that. Like this verse, to me, should answer the question. 3 John 2, Beloved, 
I wish above all things. Well, then this is a priority from God, you could say, for the church here. You could make it more personal and say, you personally. Not just the person next to you, beloved, I would that you would prosper in all things. That, that right there, you know, sometimes people say, well, we don't want to use a blanket statement, but that sure covers everything. Covers your marriage, covers your relationship, covers work, covers your body, covers everything. Beloved, I would that you would prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. Man, he wants you to prosper in every realm. Not just, you know, have money. Money is not a bad thing. But you can have money and not be prospering inwardly. How many people do we know that have money and are depleted inside? God doesn't want you depleted anywhere. He wants you full, not lean. You know, where you... Now, I'm not talking about gaining weight. I'm talking a fullness in you. Somebody's like, great, that's not good. No, a real fullness in your soul. When people walked away from God in the Old Testament and they wanted something God didn't want, God said, I'll give it to you. But he said, if I give it to you, and he would give it to him just because they asked. He said, though I give it to you because you've rejected things, he said, you will get leanness to your soul. Well, how many of you know just a fullness internally? Boy, what a good thing. And God wants that for all of us. And so with that being said, we're going to look at some things about what the Bible talks about, about entering into new things, new areas. And we need to realize to enter into new things, it, it is going to take us evaluating ourselves sometimes. Sometimes, like I said, we can get thrust into new things, but even if we're thrust into new things by our environment, how many of you know if you work for a company and it starts really taking off, usually it affects everybody in a positive way? Same thing in a society. All of us have benefited just by living in the United States. You can go to other countries and sure people get ahead, but it doesn't trickle down to as many people as it has here. And we need to realize environment can cause things but God can just do things in individuals or people can participate and enter in. But do you know he can do things in a body of believers and cause them to enter in? And so I would say this, if you've been hearing messages like this, meaning maybe, maybe a podcast or maybe you've listened to something or you've been reading scriptures or you've had this thought, God's wanting me to enter into something bigger. Uh, I think there's something bigger going on. Uh, it might be a good thing to pick that up and kind of see what's there. Ask God. I, I know when I used to free dive, sometimes you pick something up off the bottom of the ocean. 
although I was out there to spearfish, but there would be times I'd pick something up, and when you pick it up, it might be a rock or something like that, and you pick it up, and when you pick it up and move it, it just starts to get clear, and you get to see, because junk is kind of settled on it. And I know sometimes in our lives when God's dealing with us, uh, we have to go pick them up. You say, what do you mean by pick it up? Well, maybe we've been this thought, or it seems like a thought, but maybe it's more spiritual. And sometimes when those things come up, it's good to go visit them, pick them up, pick them up in prayer and say, God, are you talking to me about this? And sometimes I know in my own life, it's not one time that you pray. It's kind of, you pick it up. Are, are you saying something to me? Are you trying to do something? Is something happening? And you pick it up and you pray about it. And after a while, if there is something there, that rock, so to speak, will get clear. And you'll start to know, wow, he is doing something. Then we need to realize this. If he is doing something, how am I supposed to participate? How am I to get ready? What am I to do? Are you with me? And so here in Matthew 14, I want to look at a couple of verses here, a familiar one maybe to many people, uh, Matthew, the 14th chapter. And we're going to talk about somebody who God had designed, or I don't even know if it was his design. It was more of um, a better place, a good place to be. Uh, a miracle, and there were principles within this uh, miracle that happened that would help us to enter into things, whether it's a job, whether it's as a group of believers, whether it's a personal miracle that we need in our own lives. You know, because sometimes people need miracles, and there's no way to get it unless it's through God. There's just no way. You know, at the end of the day, humanity has served humanity well the further humanity has gone on. Medicine, cars, airplanes, fresh water, clean water to drink, all these things have served humanity. But even the way humanity has served humanity, there is a void. There are some things they just can't help. You know, there are people who are addicted to drugs and some programs help them. But how many of you know it's not a guarantee? And uh, there have been banks that have helped people with businesses. But how many of you know even that is not a guarantee? And there are a lot of things that are not a guarantee there's help. But I will guarantee one thing. All things are possible to the person who can believe. And so that is a guarantee beyond measure for all of us. And so let's look at this story about entering in or how to move into the things God has for us. What do we do as we transition in life or are about to transition into something in God? What, what is it that we can do if God is dealing with us? What can we do? What can we do? And there are many things we could say. One is don't fear. That command has often been told in the Bible. Don't fear. And the unknown can tend often for people to fear. 
but it should not be something we do. Matthew, the 14th chapter, and let's begin reading in the 22nd verse. How we can enter in or possess what God has for us. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. So we see here, Jesus has been preaching all day. There's a crowd of people. He, he's, he's wanting to move on to a new area of ministry, a new place of ministry, a new effectiveness. And so he's sending the multitude away, and he sent his disciples away. And, um, you know, sometimes when you read these things... It, People can get confused. Why would Jesus ever send a crowd away from him? Leave me. I thought he would never do that to me. Well, remember when Jesus was on the earth, it's different than when he's in heaven. Never when you come to him will he ever say, leave, get away from me now. But understand, when he was here on the earth, he was functioning as a minister, a person that could get tired just like you and I. A person who could be tempted like you and I. A person who got hungry like you and I. And a person who was stuck in one place at a time. How many of you know he can be everywhere at once and deal with you, deal with me, deal with people halfway around the world? But when he was here on the earth, he had to go somewhere if he wanted to deal with them or you know, with somebody, or pray like we would and have God deal with them. And so we see here in verse 23, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. One thing that we need to know is this. When we transition in life, whether, you know, we're... we're, we're transitioning in a relationship or transitioning in a job or whatever it is, one thing that we can see in this story is make sure you keep your priorities right with God. How many of you know a new relationship can demand time? But the thing that made that possible was your previous relationship with God. How often, you know, uh, people, because of their character and their walk with God, maybe an employer doesn't know why, but boy, they're more honest than the rest. They're, they're dependable. We'll move them up into a place, and it will demand of us maybe more time, maybe more of our attention. How many of you know that as you move into those places, one thing that is important is keeping your priority with God in the right place. We, we don't want to move into further places of prosperity and forget God. Do you realize in the Old Testament that there were warnings about prosperity? And you know what they were? And they're really cool because they're things we should look at. He said, God didn't say, well, I don't know which ones I want to prosper. He just threw out a blanket statement. When you begin to prosper, talking about all his people, this was the warning. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. 
you know, don't, don't get in your bedroom and count all the bills. And rejoice. Because, man, I'm rolling in the dough. He, he didn't care if they prospered. As a matter of fact, he was going to be working to help them prosper. He just said, don't forget me. Because there's a danger in forgetting God. People who had character that helped them move into a place because of their relationship with God, we want to keep our character. And how many of you realize who we hang out with affects our character? It, what we watch, what we listen to affects our character. You know, the Bible warns us, be careful about hanging out with an angry man. You know, one given to a short fuse. Lest you learn of his ways and get a snare or a trap in your soul. You know, one thing about me that I think has dramatically helped me to win over besides the new birth, win over anger, is I remember I used to really like boxing. Now, I'm not saying this to anybody who watches boxing, but for me, it fed something in me. And I, and I mean, I remember, and I, this was before kickboxing and different things were there, and, you know, it was a little bit, and I would watch it, and I would think, oh, yeah, oh. And I would get into it. I, this may sound bad. I don't do this anymore. But I'd go in the bathroom, you know, in people's shadow box, and I would stand this far from the counter and kick my face in the mirror. Left, right. Left, right. Just in case I was standing close to somebody, I could kick them in the face. That's probably not the best way to be thinking. And he want to know how it stopped? It, that didn't stop till I went to Bible school. But here's how it stopped. One day I was doing left and right, and I caught the edge of the counter and literally cut my toenail in half on my big toe. And I went, well, there's, that's enough of that. Stop. But I remember God, when I started going to Bible school, really started dealing with me about uh, not watching boxing. Because, you know, I'm just running it through my mind and running it through my mind. And, uh, and that's why I said I'm not saying that to anybody, but he wanted my mentality to change in that area. Amen. You might not be able to say amen, but I'm grateful. And I still monitor that to tell today, you know, where I don't just watch that. And, and every now and then I'll look at a clip. But sometimes if I watch it, I've watched a fight or something, after I get done, I feel like, yuck. You know, one thing about the course of life, about growing with God, is he will have us at different times lay down things. Don't think laying down something is taking something away from you. It's actually helping something grow in you that's good and that's right. I mean, I used to watch horror flicks, and uh, it's amazing how you can be afraid wa walking down a dark street. You know, every, there's something behind every bush. Now I hark in the dark in the desert and never think a thing. But back then, 
you know, run by a bush, think somebody's back there because in a scary movie, everybody's there. Well, where was I getting that stuff in my head? There. And I remember how God dealt with me and, and I started to put that away. But man, it's good to have peace. God wants us all to have peace. And I'm not suggesting what to do, but it is good as he's trying to move us in, pay attention to his dealings. And uh, he will help us in these areas. So anyway, verse 23, because we do want to get into this. And when he had spent, uh, sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone there. So he's been uh, praying for quite a while. Now, I'm not suggesting, you know, you have to pray long periods of time. But there is something to be said about having a relationship with God. And we know the scriptures that say, don't think you'll be heard because of your abundance of prayers. But here's what I do want to say in your relationship have a vital prayer thing where you really work to contact God, where you put everything out, whether it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is, make your time vital and do this. Stick with certain things you're praying about till you get an answer. Not an answer you want or one you just like, well, I prayed, I got to do something. I have to make a decision. Just be patient and stick with it, and I guarantee you God will give you answers because that's how he is. So anyway, we'll get rolling on this. Matthew 14, 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. It was tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. Now, how many of you know this? They're transitioning from one location to another location in ministry for more fruitfulness? How many of you know they are smack dab in the middle of God's will? They are in the middle of God's will. How, how would we know? Because Jesus said, get in the boat and go over there. How many of you realize right in the middle of God's will, what do we see? We see it wasn't rosy the whole time. There was contrary winds and contrary waves. Those winds and waves were not sent to teach them. They were sent to destroy them. But how many of you know Jesus would rebuke the wind and encourage his disciples to do the same thing? If God's told us to go forward, we win. We don't lose. There are no options on the table for that. We are created to win. And so here they are. They're doing God's will, using their effort. They're laboring and rowing. The Lord's not with them. He told them to go to the other side, and they didn't say, well, the wind's blowing the other way. We'll just kind of drift back to shore and give it another shot later. They just stuck with it. And it says this, because the winds and the wave were contrary, verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, so between three and six in the morning, think about it. They've been going from daylight the other day, and things are just blowing 
the wrong way, but they're sticking with God's will. I said they're sticking with God's will. Little did they know that there was about to be a massive change. I mean, massive in so many ways. But notice this. Now at the fourth watch between three and six at night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Now you picture they're in the middle of a storm, they're rowing and rowing and not going. Why aren't we gaining ground? Why aren't we moving? Why aren't we gaining ground? Why aren't things happening? You know, people can ask that question. How come? Well, maybe we could look at a story like this and go, how come they weren't? Weren't they giving an effort? Weren't they smack in the middle of God's will? How many of you know if they would have drifted back to land and quit, they wouldn't have been where Jesus was walking, and where Jesus was walking was where he told them to be headed. Isn't that true? And so they're just still pushing on, and all of a sudden there's an encounter with the Lord. And it said, and they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus said to them, be of good cheer. It is I. Man, could have been anybody else. Could have been a ghost, but he said, it's me. Be cheerful. Don't be afraid. Now, he's given them a command to be like, woohoo, and no fear. How many of you know that God can deal with us about something it, but it's not always automatic. Anybody ever notice that? One time you're like, woohoo, everything's changing. God spoke to me. And then all of a sudden you notice fear or something else trying to come into your space. And notice this, verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come. Notice Peter gave him no option. He said, if it's you, tell me to come. By this time in their life, they recognized that Jesus was willing for them to partake and participate in the supernatural. And they realized that sometimes participating in the supernatural was not all on God. This is a case where only one is about to partake and participate in this supernatural thing. Remember when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two in, in the Gospels and it said when they went out, he gave them power to heal the sick. But when they came back, they said, hey, we used your name against demons. Notice the Lord didn't even tell them to use it against demons. They just knew that they could participate with the Lord and they kind of experimented. They just pushed out. 
And they said, hey, even the demons are subject to us. And then Jesus taught them a little bit there in Luke 10 and said, yeah, I saw them fall like lightning from heaven, but don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Don't get excited about that. Don't get your focus there. He goes, get excited. Your names are written in heaven. You got a different home. And, and, and these people realized after being around Jesus, you, could, you didn't have to wait for him to have the supernatural. Matter of fact, one time the disciples said, Lord, we, we found this guy. He was doing supernatural stuff. He was using your name. And you know what we did? We stopped him. Because he's not of us. You didn't send him out. And the Lord said, don't do that. There's nobody who can do a miracle in my name who will quickly after speak ill of me. Let him go. Whoops. What am I getting at? That some supernatural things, uh, we're not waiting on God. We could just press into some stuff. And that's what happened here. Peter said, if it's you, command me to come. And so the Lord said to him, because he didn't have an option, because it was him, so all he could say was, come. So he came. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he began to walk on the water to go to Jesus. If the story ended there, we see this man walking to Jesus. Woohoo. Man, this is awesome. Next chapter. But there's more in there. And we're talking about entering into God's best for our lives. How to move, how to transition. How many of you know to go to good ground? Even in the Old Testament, he said, I'm giving you this land. You're going to have to displace the giants, but I'll be with you and you'll win. You just have to do it. And here, Peter just had to do it. So he began to walk. But notice verse 30. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, in other words, contrary. But how many of you know they were contrary before he started walking? He was afraid. How many of you remember Jesus' commandment? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If you want to get in a fight, don't get in a fight with somebody. Fight against fear. Talk about one thing that is often represented in the Bible as something that would short-circuit the supernatural is fear. And how many of you know everybody that's a believer, God is not, the Bible said, given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. We need to not fear. You know, one person said fear is a false expectation about reality. Fear is speculative. It's not an absolute. And if it's a speculative thing, we need to be careful because anytime we speculate, we think higher than we should or think lower than we should or think wrong in an area that we don't have good ways of thinking about something. We just allow a thought to be there. If it's speculative, remember this. There's no substance in it. It's an unsteady step in life. You know, if I speculate 
Austin's mad at me and he's not. I'm stepping onto something, a thought, that has no substance. How many of you know if something doesn't have substance, my walk now is going to become unsteady? So I just need to cast that aside and go, no, I'm not going to imagine that. It's not an absolute. God's word is an absolute. If Jesus said, come, I can come. But he started thinking this thing has power that it didn't have. And now he's stepping. And when we step on those type of thoughts, there's no substance. And therefore, he went down. But God's words have substance. They are solid to step on. That's why we need to be careful. Well, what are they thinking about me right now? What's he thinking? If you don't know, don't allow thoughts to come into your head or you will get in trouble. They like me. Well, how come they're not calling? They don't like me. That's why they're not. Or they are. Or that boss, I thought he was going to give me a raise. Maybe he's mad at me. No, it's good just to not try to figure things out because they're speculative. And there is no solid ground for walking with God in those things. Everybody okay? So look at this. He's walking on the word come, but now he's changed from walking on and focusing on the Lord and his word to him, and now he's focusing on fear. Uh, on contrary circumstances. How many know those contrary circumstances were not affecting him a little while ago? Where we focus as we transition, when we move forward, is huge. So helpful to keep your mind on the right thing. Back in 2005, I remember I woke up in the morning. My eyes weren't even open. And out of the inside of me, I heard these words God spoke. And he said, if your mind is not on the answer, it's on the wrong thing. And I remember years before, I was at some people's home, and they were getting ready uh, to do something. And they said, you can just watch TV. And I thought, I don't want to do that. And then I thought, well, they're taking a while to get ready. So I turned it on, and it came on. And at the beginning... There was an old, I mean, it was the beginning of an old war movie. Remember when those used to be on the black and whites, you know, war movies? And uh, like World War II, and then they would turn them from black and white into color, so they were basically different colors of black and white and green, you know? And everybody had red lips or whatever. And um, I remember watching the thing start rolling and they went into war. And this is years ago. And I remember the Lord saying, it's not, as the credits started coming and the war started, the Lord dealt with me and he said, it's not the war that defeats or the battle that defeats people. It's how they respond that either causes them to walk in victory or to be defeated. And that is such a true statement about Peter. Where, where is my trust and where is my focus? And notice this, but when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, good job, you made it most of the way. I mean, you know, he didn't say that. He, he rebuked him. But think of it. 
no one else got this far. How come he didn't just go, good job? He rebuked him. You know why? God totally expected him to make it all the way. God believed in Peter. God believed in his word. And he said, he said here you go. And he expected Peter to walk out something tremendous. Notice this. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Somebody might say this. Well, he didn't have enough faith. That's why he doubted. Well, if it was because he only had not enough faith, his little faith that he had caused him to already walk on the water. So that little faith gave him the ability to do the supernatural. So let me propose this thought to you. When Jesus teaches the parable of the sower, he says in Luke's gospel, he said, they believe for a short time, or a little while is how it says. Then when persecution and troubles come, they give up. What if the little faith here was not little in commodity, but little in length of time that it was used? It was sufficient. Because you would think if it was insufficient, Jesus would have said, you couldn't help it, you ran out. What you needed to do is be in a couple more of my seminars and you would have been ready for this, but he rebuked him like, you could have done this. And the question was, not did he have enough faith, why didn't you keep using it till you saw the desired end? And when he got in the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him. Now I'm going to look at a couple of things as we, we close up. What can we do? Realize this, anytime God tries to bring people out of something into something, it's always for better and always for more. When he brought the children of Israel out in Psalm 105, 37, it said he brought them out with silver and gold. None was feeble. Could you imagine millions of people and nobody's got bad knees? Nobody's got a bad back. Nobody has arthritis. Nobody's got a twitch. I mean, they're just, there's none feeble. And when they come out, they all end up with silver and gold. And you look and just how he led them out, put a cloud over them in the desert. Deserts can get cold at night, put a fire over them at night, and they are cruising. God, when he brings us out, understand he's wanting better for your life, more in your life. In Exodus 3.8, he, when he brought him out, and it's very similar to Peter's story, he said, I'm giving you the land. You just need to go up. And when they heard they were giving the land, they spied it out. And they said, oh man, there's giants in the land. And, and, and this is why I said, whenever we move into something, we have to watch our perspective. Because they said, oh, there's giants in the land, and therefore we are grasshoppers in our own sight. Peter over 
underestimated the ability of the storm. And then he feared it. He should have estimated God's word as bigger. In the face of the storm. And these children of Israel did something similar. They said, well, there's giants in the land, therefore we're grasshoppers. Do you know that was speculative? Because they had this unfounded thought they would not step into the promised land. But when they finally did, 40 years later, in Joshua 6.1, this is how it reads. When they went to go into Jericho, it says... The people of Jericho were afraid because of the Israelites came near. Think about it. They first saw him years before and said, oh, they were afraid of them. They said, they're giants. We're, we're grasshoppers in their eyes. Do you realize that that was the furthest thing from the truth? Those people who were giants were afraid of them. Do you know every demon is afraid of you? The Bible said demons believe and tremble. Circumstances are a no, they have to bow to us. But if we approach them with, man, they're bigger they're greater, then guess what? Fear will creep in. But those are unfounded thoughts. Realize this, greater is he who's in you and for you than he who's in the world. You know, here's a verse, and we'll close with this. In him, the Bible said, we live and we move and we have our being. What if you read that a little different? In me he lives. In me he moves. And in me he has his being. What if we approach life like God was in us? And he was willing, if we would act, to back us up. You know, if God's been dealing with you about some kind of transition, even if you don't know what it is, I would encourage you to ask God, help me. Prepare me for what you have prepared for me. Do you know he has already prepared things for you? One of his great covenant names is Jehovah Jireh, the one who foresees, lays up in store for you before you get there. So he's already been doing this. Remember we talked about that last week? It said, the land he's taking you, before you got there, his eyes are always been on that land for you. Before they knew it. It's the same type of thing. He has his eyes on some good stuff for us. Think like you belong there. Ask God, what do I need to do? How do I participate? And I know there are practical things to do. But I'm just saying, pray about it. Begin to ask God, help me with my thinking in these matters too.